Hey everyone, welcome to Sponge Talk. Y'all, I am so excited because we get the opportunity to hear from Sandy Taylor again. Um, obviously, she's so wise and she's so knowledgeable in the area of emotions, but she also is so competent in speaking about relationships, friendships, dating, everything. So um, I had the privilege of getting to speak with her some more about this subject, and I can't wait for y'all to listen. Hey everyone, we're back with Sandy this morning um, and I'm so excited to talk to her again because she has so much wisdom to offer about relationships and friendships and that's something that y'all wanted to hear about. Thank you again for being with us this morning, Sandy. Oh, it's such a treat, Lucy. Thanks for having me. Of course. And on the last episode, we covered um, your area of goodness, so we don't have to cover that again. But I also put a poll on Instagram asking people what they would like to hear about and um, what they would like to see spoken about on the podcast. And a lot of people are craving information and conversation about relationships um, and friendships and community and even singleness. And this is a topic that most of my understanding um, on this subject has seriously come from the senior Bible classes with you. because I feel like you're very passionate about relationships and that's something that we spoke about a lot. So is there anything you want to say while we um, just get started on that subject and why it's important and things like that? Well, it's funny. I'm, I'm the senior Bible class I'm doing that starts next week. By the time this airs, I'll be into it, but it's on. That's a curriculum I wrote for the senior girls at camp because you know we're made for relationships. It's the one of the very first things when God makes us in, creates us in Genesis 2, he says, let us make man in our image. And, you know, I say this probably every year in Bible, but our is the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so Adam and Eve and all of us as as descendants, as humans, were created to reflect a relationship. So we're created for relationships. And that's why they matter so much. We were never meant to um, be individuals or to um, to be by ourselves. And then when we come to Christ, we're part of a body, part of the body of Christ. And so there's so many aspects in which we know we're wired for relationships. And yet because of sin, we just, you know, it can be a train wreck so often. Um, you know, I'll just go ahead and say before you ask the next question, Genesis 3 is the account of the fall when sin enters the world. Um, many of your listeners will be familiar with that. But the very first thing that happens after um, after they eat the apple and, you know, they realize they're naked and they go and hide, God, God comes to look for them and they're hiding. So all of a sudden you see this physical you know, break in their relationship with God where they, they have to go hide from him and then they start blaming each other. You can just see the um, these relationships devolve the minute sin enters into the world. And so our relationships can really be a mess if we're not, if we don't have a right theological grid within which we understand them. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I even have that written down is that something that you've always taught me and so many girls is that it's nearly impossible to work on and um, better relationships relationships with the people around you without having an understanding of your relationship with God and um, focusing on that one. And so if you want to speak for a minute about how 
um, that relationship is truly the ultimate one. And all of our relationships on earth are merely meant to reflect that relationship. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think C.S. Lewis is when he talks about disordered loves, right? That what we do is we look at another human and we make them our all, whether it's a dating relationship or a friendship or a, you know, it, it can, you can really do it with anybody. Parents do it with children. And um, that relationship becomes so necessary and so primary before relationship with God, that the actual opposite happens. You know, you're looking to that relationship for for fulfillment and for joy and to be, you know, for life, as John 11 says, and the actual reverse happens. You begin to destroy it because no other human was meant to be God for you. Only We were designed for God to be at the center of our lives. And so I always start Bible, uh, my Bible classes that way and say, if, if, if your relationship with God through Christ is not uh, primary, you're going to really struggle in your other relationships. And so first things first. That's funny because I feel like I did I did your senior Bible class a few times. And um, it's funny because we're all like teenage girls and we all want to get to the section on like dating and like yeah. boys. And then for the first few like meetings where we first talk about God and then I think it's parents and then siblings and friends. And we're all like, Oh my goodness, when are we going to talk about boys? Oh, you know, I hold that dating talk until like the second to last, because nobody's going to come back to Bible if I trot it out there too soon. I mean, I know that's why I wrote the curriculum. I mean, if I just said, I'm going to teach the book of Philippians, nobody would take Bible, but girls want to know about relationships and they matter. They, and they matter because at your age, if you know, we're building patterns, I always talk about in dating, you're building patterns for how you relate to the opposite sex. And so it's almost like training wheels for eventually, certainly in terms of Christian relationship, you're building a pattern for how you're going to relate to the opposite sex. And so it, it does matter how we learn how to treat um, the guys in our lives. And, um, you know, you can just look out there at culture and see things going all sorts of sideways. Um, so anyway, yeah. So it, that was, I always thought that was so funny. <laughs> but um, backing up a little bit, your message that, you know, other people weren't meant to be our God, that has been so impactful in my life. And even at the beginning of school this year, I was so blessed to make some of my best friends very early on in the year who are also pursuing the Lord. And um, we just kind of had a moment where we looked at each other and we said, you know, we are not each other's like savior. We are not going to save each other. We cannot, you know, make idols out of each other. We have to be pursuing individual relationships with the Lord on our own. And he has to be the king of our hearts or else these relationships will be destroyed, you know? And um, that was so cool to have in a friendship to say right off the bat, look, like we love each other so much, but um, we're never going to save each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's walk in wisdom and in light um, as we grow in our friendships. Mm -hmm. That's proved to be super, um, a big blessing in my life. Well, and the funny thing is if you follow God's word, like obedience to God's word brings life. So if we actually follow what he tells us in his word because he loves us and it's for our good, then our relationships flourish. I mean, that's the funny thing is we think somehow, and, and I think this is the stain of the lie of Satan in the garden is somehow, you know, God's holding out on me. And so I've got to go take this relationship and make it my all. And and we just destroy it. 
um, because it's just too much pressure. And so, yes, I mean, you know, I like to draw grids all the time, but if you're, if you have a triangle and you're keeping, whether it's friendship or dating or eat with children, I mean, you know, this is, again, this is going to be a pattern you build in your life. If Christ is the one you're looking up to, then as you grow closer to him, you really do grow closer to one another and you're not using and needing one another. You're loving and serving, you know, because so often when you make the other person, you know, the center of your life, it it's really about what they're doing for you, right? If you need them or you have to have them or, you know, you get jealous because somebody else is better friends with them or, you know, if it's a dating relationship, they're talking to a person of the opposite sex. It's that, that comes out because, you know, we're making that person too important. So relationships are good things. They just need to be ordered correctly. That's so true. Going forward, what is it why is it even important that we have friends or community of people that are pursuing Christ? Like, why do we need to pursue that and grow that in the first place? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, because God tells us to, right? He call, He doesn't um, save us and bring us into uh, the world of, of ourselves. He brings us into the body of Christ. His goal all throughout Scripture is to... Um, to have a people for himself. And so we're part of a larger body and we're all lo- worshiping him and loving and serving one another. And actually, as, as in our relationships and in our friendships and as we love and serve one another, we're actually his representatives showing the rest of the world, an unbelieving world that needs him, what it looks like to love and serve instead of to take and use. And so to be in Christian community, to be connected to a local church, to be serving and be part of Christian community is one of the main ways that we grow in our faith. And so we're called to love, want to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I mean, all throughout the scriptures, you see that we are saved into a community, into a church that represents Christ and he's coming back for us. I love what you said about relationships and friendships um, and the fact that they shouldn't be um, selfish and taking, but rather serving and giving. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess going back to how that mirrors our relationship with Christ and it's just a way that we glorify him and represent him. But um, and we covered it, but is there anything else you want to say on like how our relationship with Jesus how the way that he loves is sacrificially um, and it gives and um, his love is an action. It's not taking. Yeah, exactly. And yes, I, I would not be giving the whole truth of the gospel if I didn't say you know, the only resource that gives us the ability to love someone and to say what is the very best thing for this person is to the degree to which we understand that Jesus sacrificed for us. That he's been the perfect friend. No greater love you know, do you have then someone who lays down his life for his friend? And that is exactly what Jesus has done for us. And so to the degree that he is king of our hearts and we understand what he's done for us and 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 the sacrifice he's made for us on the cross, then we can, out of that power and out of that love, move out into the friendships in our lives and say, what's the best thing for this person? Maybe it is to not cling so tightly to that friendship. Maybe it is important to say, you know, I, I don't have to have this dating relationship because this other person is completely clinging to me and looking at, to me to be their savior. So the question is always what what is going to cause this other person to flourish versus how can this person meet my need? And only, only seeing what Jesus has done for us can give us the power to do that. Mm, that's good. And another thing I wanted to talk about 
was forgiveness and how mm-hmm. that is in relationships. And I think that's beautiful what you said that um, because a big lesson that I learned when I was younger, like at camp and just with friends and in life is um, a lot of times forgiveness is not okay. Like I forgive them. It's like a choice that you have to make. And a lot of times the truth is that that person doesn't even ask for forgiveness. Right. And I think something you taught me and just a lot of mentors is that think of all the times that the Lord forgave us that we didn't ask for it or deserve it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that goes back to mirroring the way that Christ loves us. Um, We don't forgive people because they deserve it or um, because they even ask for it because that's not the way that Christ treated us. Absolutely. And, you know, he who has been forgiven much loves much to the degree that you know how sinful you are and what that required that God himself would come and put on human flesh and live the life we could never live and die the death we deserve. As my pastor, Tim Keller always says, to the degree you see how sinful and how needy you were, that is the power that we're able to look at someone who's harmed us and say, if Jesus did that for me, I can forgive this person. You know, Forgiveness is costly. Uh, you know, I, as a counselor, I remember early on in my younger years, there was never a client I sat across from who wasn't struggling with with unforgiveness. You, know, Someone had harmed them. And what I heard over and over again was, if I forgive this person, it's going to feel like it, 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 it means it just didn't matter. And I, and I would say, no, it actually, forgiveness is costly, but you're absorbing the cost, right? They've already hurt you. And when you forgive someone, you let them off your hook. Now, they're not off God's hook, which is why we can do that, because the Lord is the one who judges. And so it's extraordinarily freeing to forgive someone. It is extraordinarily hard because we want justice. And and part of that is a reflection of who God is. He is a God of justice. But his justice and mercy go together. Mm -hmm. And so very often we focus on the justice part when we've been wronged. um, And we focus on the mercy part when we need to be forgiven, right? And so we have to flip that when we're in relationship with other people and see what it took for God to forgive us. And that's the power with which we'll be able to forgive others. It is hard. It is hard. But just because it's hard doesn't mean you haven't forgiven or or that that we're not called to do it. That's true. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and something you say a lot at camp is that you're putting on your counselor hat to talk for a minute. So, uh, if you will, for your, with through your counselor lens or your counselor hat, a lot of people are probably asking, okay, well, what is a practical way to pursue and strengthen friendships and maybe especially godly friendships um, and community, especially in a time um, where a lot of us have probably been physically separated from people we love and know for a long time. And yeah, so what is some, I guess, practical advice on how to pursue and strengthen relationships? Yeah, no, I think we're all wrestling with it. And I certainly don't have all the answers to that question, but it's it's probably a good one to, you know, toss back and forth and and try to say, what does it look like? I mean, one of our, one of the things our pastor has been doing every week is saying, you know, are you okay? Just through this Sunday. And I, and I think you know, it's really something I should be asking my friends. Are you okay? And how can I pray for you? And here's how I'm struggling. And so I think having a commitment to connect, whether it's FaceTime or Zoom, and particularly now when we can't be together, um, but, but not going down into that hole of, I'm just going to watch Netflix and, and check out. But but really understanding that we have a responsibility to one another to check on each other, to pray for each other. And in doing that, it will actually be good for our own soul and good for our own self-care because we're not meant to just 
be isolated. So we're going to have to really fight for that. I think it particularly in these times. Yeah. I mean, what do you think, Lucy? I'm interested because I'm quite a bit older than you. What are you doing to practice building and keeping friendships in this season? Yeah. So I think, especially since I've been at school now, a lot of my grands live all across the country. So there have been times throughout the season that I've definitely found myself really lonely and um, Mm -hmm. kind of stuck in the hole of, oh, I don't want to call anyone. I don't want to burden them with this or this. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that is literally just a lie from Satan. Mm -hmm. And he, I really believe that he seeks to isolate us because when he gets us alone, that's when we start to really believe lies. It can be so hard to affirm truth to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really one of his biggest goals is to isolate us and get us alone. Mm-hmm. And he does that through through various ways. He does that, I think, through insecurity. He'll attack like my um, insecurity of not wanting to like emotionally like bother or like burden someone, you know. And that's what he'll say to me. And that can be different for everyone. And then that makes me want to you know, turn into myself and not reach out. And that's the place he wants me to be. So I think one of the biggest things is remembering sometimes when it doesn't feel like it, that my friends are for me and they want to know if I'm going through something, you know, and I want to be there for them too. It's not just about me. And so even on a more practical note, something I did um, at the beginning of all of this is um, I wanted to walk a half marathon. I texted a lot of my friends from school and I said, Hey, I'm going to walk a half marathon on Saturday. Y'all are welcome to join me. Like, let's make a chart of all of our names. And then we would rotate calling different people every 30 minutes. And so so fun. So fun. And it was just a huge day for us to all like get outside, um, get really tired and catch up with everyone on the same day. It's one of my favorite memories from that whole quarantine period because wonderful. It was so sweet. It was really, really good. And, um, you know, you didn't have the excuse to say like, oh, like I'm doing this or this. It was really good. Well, I have a group of um, friends. There are maybe six of us. Maybe two or three years ago, we started realizing that where our lives were, this is before COVID, we started realizing when our children went to elementary school, we weren't at mom's groups together. Our lives weren't overlapping naturally. And we were all really struggling with loneliness but sort of feeling lame, like, well, they're all out probably doing all these other things. And when we all got honest with each other, we realized we've got to find an intentional way to connect. And so we started the last Monday of every month. It's just a standing date. Whoever can come, we get together for dinner and we catch each other up and we pray. And there's that has been a staple in my life where these women know me well enough. I can't get away with, oh, everything's just fine. It's like, no, well, what about X, Y, and Z, Sandy? Because they know my struggles. They know my vulnerabilities. They know the places that I get sideways and, and struggle to trust God. And, uh, and the, the great thing about Zoom is we've like almost everybody's making every time because it's like, what else are you going to do? Like, come on, get on the call. We know you're not doing anything. And so if somebody is really struggling and it's like, no, I just can't get on tonight. We'll poke them and say, come on, you need to do this. And we all walk, nobody wants to get on because we're tired, but we all walk away refreshed because we know we need each other. And so, you know, anything like that, I mean, what you did is a far more, um, 
I don't know, sort of fun and and just a way of building community and staying connected. I think setting a pattern for yourself with particular friends that whether it's in this situation or in life, that there's always a couple of people that know you well and that you know well. And your your goal is that Philippians too, considering others' interests more important than my own, that I'm going to keep, these are my people, and I'm going to keep checking on them and praying for them. And I'm going to ask them about X, Y, and Z that I know is a particular struggle or temptation for them. And something that's coming to mind now is even as our lives sort of go back to normal and we go back to college or high school or whatever, and things start to get busy again, is it's so easy to bury yourself in busyness Mm -hmm. and in meetings and homework and extracurriculars. (laughs) And um, something I learned at, at college is you have to be intentional. I think that's a buzzword for relationships is being intentional about who you spend your time with, what y'all are doing together, where you are. You have to be very intentional of, you know, okay, well, I'm, I trust essentially like I'm not going to idolize my schoolwork sometimes over my friends, you know, I'm not going to, you know, work myself to death over this paper. Mm -hmm. I know that by spending 30 minutes or an hour to get dinner with my friends, like that, that will revitalize me. And like, Mm -hmm. I them, you know? So I think it's important as things get busy, busy again, that we remember not to shut ourselves in a hole and to um, like intentionally make time for people. It's not a passive thing. And you just have to put yourself out there. And sometimes if you can just get creative with ways to build community, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. also remembering that everyone wants community, you know, sometimes it's scary to put yourself out there. But if you realize everyone wants to hang out with people and have friends, like, then it's fine. You know, sometimes you just have to be a little awkward or be a little weird to like make a community or a friend. And um, I think that's important to remember. It's a good word, Lucy. It is. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, just going forward a little bit and um, we can wrap things up soon, but if we could also speak about like singleness and dating for a little bit, you know, a lot of um, sometimes at certain schools, it becomes such a pattern to like be dating and like get engaged. And like, especially with people my age, I'm starting to know more and more people who are engaged. It's, it's cool. oh my word. Well, a few years older than me, but you just start to see your Instagram feed kind of change, you know, towards mm-hmm. like and wedding pictures. I guess, what is your advice on how to walk in singleness well and how to honor the Lord through that? And then also how to honor the Lord through dating relationships. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a lot. Let, let, me, let me start with sort of what I think is a good view from the bridge around this topic, because I think particularly in Southern Christian subculture, we have begun to elevate marriage to a place of idolatry. And what I mean by that is, you know, Jesus and and Paul were both single, right? Neither of them got married. And so that has to mean that even though marriage is a good thing, it's it's not a non-negotiable to have a life of flourishing and, and we've collapsed intimacy with dating, sex, and marriage. And I think that that is a real pitfall for the church right now, particularly um, in, in some Christian circles. And so I would just want people to take a step back and redefine what intimacy and connection is. Our culture says, again, it's sex and dating and, 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 you know, and, a physically intimate relationship. Now we know when we step into church circles to say, well, we know that, you know, no sex before marriage. And yet everything else becomes, you know, we play marriage. And so we're, we're, what happens if you're not dating or you don't get married at a young age, you sort of don't know where you fit. 
And that is wrong. The church is really as, as, and we're the church, right? We're, we're not doing what God has called us to do. And so I think in some ways we need to learn to not prioritize those relationships. They're fine. They're good. It's fine to date. It's wonderful. I'm married. I love being married to my husband. It, it is not the, the end all be all. And for me to get married and pull up the drawbridge of my life and not in, continue to include the full body of Christ, which includes a lot of single people, then I'm contributing to a culture within the church that is really isolating for people who are single. And so I would just say, rethink where we categorize singleness and marriage. Like somehow it's like, I've got to endure singleness. Well, Paul and Paul saw it as a gift, right? And not like a gift that, you know, God bestowed upon him. He just, it freed him up to love God and to grow and have this enormous impact. He wrote most of the New Testament. And so I just think we've got to start to have different conversations around these topics. So that'd be the first thing I would say. Um, And then I would just say in terms of dating, you know, focus on friendship. I've said that since the day I met you, I tell the girls at camp that all the time because 90% of marriage is friendship and 10% is the you know, the sex and the romance and all that stuff. But what we tend to do is we flip that and we focus on the intimacy and the, you know, I just want to have a person. And really that reflects our need. We want that, that longing is for the Lord and one day for our consummation with him. And so just, I think again, having more theological legs underneath us, knowing God's word, knowing, valuing what he values and keeping things in their proper place in our hearts is the thing that I would, 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 say is the most important. And then if you are dating, date in community, mm. you know, don't play marriage. I, I do, if you're not, if you're not married, you're single. And so live singly and treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. There's no day. I tell you this all the time, Lucy, there's no dating in the Bible, mm. right? The categories are brothers and sisters in Christ, a tiny sliver of engagement and then marriage. And so until you're married or engaged, he's your brother in Christ. She's your sister in Christ. And the Bible says a lot about those relationships. There's a ton in there if you want to know about dating. Um, it's what does it mean to relate to a brother or sister in Christ? And so that would kind of be the main categories, I would say, for somebody who really wants to understand what it looks like to honor God in their relationships, in, in whether it's dating or marriage. That would be the way I would send you. That's so good. Thank you. And I, I remember when I was younger and I would be in your class and you would tell us that, you know, the Bible doesn't have dating. Mm-hmm. And I would be so frustrated. I'd be like, what? Like, I just <laughs> want a rule book. I want like, this is what dating is and this is what dating is not. But I mean, ultimately, like you said, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And the goal is not to say, oh, well, what can I do and what can I do? And like, how far can I go in this area and this area? But it's really like, how can I just love and honor the people around me and love and honor the Lord? And um, that's praying, you know? And that person's your neighbor. The Bible has tons to say about how we're to treat, we're to treat our neighbor. And whether that's a boyfriend or just a guy friend or girlfriend, whatever that category, whatever, you know, Western modern categories we put them in, the, the Bible tells us what we need to know. You know. And the other thing I would say is marriage was created by God. It is good. Uh, the, the Bible starts with a marriage and it's going to end and it ends in a marriage. And, you know, when Jesus comes back for us, we're all going to be married to him. And so for people who aren't married, it's just a matter of time. And, that, and, and if that longing never happens, the side of heaven, it's coming. 
And it's going to be way better than anything you could dream up this side of heaven. That's so good. That's such a good reminder because I think it is true that sometimes in Christian culture and in the church, we can really idolize marriage. So I love that you said that. Mm -hmm. Um, As we close, I already asked you in the last episode about a statement of truth in your life, but maybe to close this one, is there a statement of truth? And we've probably already covered it, but about relationships and just about that area. I don't know that I have like a statement of truth, but you know, I do think that C.S. Lewis, I just keep going back to that, that um, to not have disordered loves, that, that our relationship with God has to be primary if any of our relationships are, if, if our other relationships are going to flourish. And so, and that's not a, a Jesus needs to be first. No, it's, you know, he really is the relationship you're longing for in all these other ones. And so not only is it eternal life we find in him, but we find abundant life. And so having to always fight for that truth as we move out into relationships, that's the greatest gift you could give every relationship in your life is to keep Jesus first. Because then you will be able to love that person well out of the resource that is the gospel. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. And thank you so much again for being with me today. I'm so excited for everyone to listen to this conversation. It's been a treat. I'm so proud of you, Lucy. Thank you all so much for listening along. Um, it is really a blessing to get to hear from Sandy Taylor about both of these things. So just consider yourself lucky. But um, just thanks again for listening and I'll see you all next week. Bye.